so with that, like jumping in both feet, like right before uh, COVID hit, we had planned to go to Puerto Rico to do these conventions, you know, Megacon, go around the country. We're going to sell our art. We're going to print it on everything. We're going to be full-time artists uh, yeah, uh, and go around. Conventions. Yeah, full-time convention <laughs> artists. And we're going to make some money. And then COVID hit. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 167 of the Command of Voice. Today, I speak with the founders of Artist Amigos. Please welcome David and Maggie Booth. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they're going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Hope you guys all had a great Valentine's week. Um, I know that last episode dropped on that day, so hopefully the guys out there, you did a good job. Um, (laughs) And uh, Yeah, we had a fun, um, we had a, a... one of our customers here with his wife and they were um, stopping by to to have a quick lunch on Valentine's day. And uh, we were, we were talking there and I was like, Oh, you guys are getting to do a little Valentine's, you know, midday date. He's like, yep, that's what we're getting to do. He's like, cause we're both kind of working. So we're just, you know, quick meetup and, and on our way. And so he's like, what about you? What about you? What are you guys doing for your Valentine's day? It's like, Oh, we, we have had the worst luck when it comes to Valentine's day. So my wife and I, don't really do like a big date thing on Valentine's Day, um, but we get each other little gifts and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, you know, I got a massage and something for my wife and, and all that. And <laughs> the guy I'm talking to, his wife looks, then looks over at him and goes, huh. And he's like, you don't know. You might have a massage gift card waiting for you at home. So anyways, it was a, it was a fun interaction. Um, so anyways, uh, hopefully when I go through and I'm talking to you guys at the store, I'm not causing issues. Um, that is not my goal. But anyways. Um, so that was my Valentine's day. Very exciting. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I want to get into this week's episode. Um, so as you heard in the intro, I'm interviewing David and Maggie Booth, uh, who are the owners and founders of Artist Amigos. And when I heard that name the first time, I was like, okay, that's cool. What do they do? Um, but then once you start getting to know what their business is, which is a printing business, um, their name starts to make a lot more sense. So I don't know if any of you guys have gone through this. I know this is going to sound like a commercial, but I'm really not trying to. I just wanted to explain this piece real quick. But I don't know if any of you have gone through this as business owners where you go and you try and print something at like, you know, an online printing thing. And you put in the things that you think it's going to be. You send it off and, you know, they send you a digital um, proof and you look at it and you're like, yep, that's what I want. Then you say, yep, and you get go on your way. And all of a sudden, they, uh, you know, it finally shows up later. And you're like, what on earth? This is not anything of what it was supposed to look like. Um, and that's from a business perspective. You know, the colors might be off or design might be off. Or in my case, they may not put the white background on the back of a thing. And so instead of getting a white background sticker that has all the information you want, you get a clear background sticker, which does not work when you're putting it on a window cling. So anyways, like I said, I don't know if any of you have gone through that, but I have. Um, And then you got to think for an artist, that's even tenfold because they've got, you know, a lot of fine artists um, that do prints or if you're doing any of that type of stuff, 
you want the quality, you want the colors to be what you want them to be. Um, and this is some of the stuff they ran into uh, prior to starting this print company. They were working with other print companies, running into the same issues where there was miscommunications. They weren't, you know, they would get the colors slightly off, um, all these different things. So um, they really do specialize in kind of printing fine arts and stuff like that, but they're also there for your business needs. I've used them for many of my business needs. Um, so that is my, uh, what do you call that? Um, full disclosure, that's the word. Um, I do use them, uh, but I've had great service. Anyways, I wanted to get them on because I wanted to have them talk about their background. How did they get into this? Um, and as you again heard in the intro, um, <clears throat> They didn't start by saying, hey, I want to open up a print shop. Um, but that's what it's evolved into. And so they're continuing to grow, uh, but they're continuing to keep their hands on service. So, um, yeah, I had a great time talking with them. Um, also, I want to note, we are small business owners. Um, I am, and hopefully you, some of you guys are. Um, and if you're not, that's also fine. Um, but uh, in the middle of this podcast, uh, they had to put out a fire. So you will hear like a as the mic gets uh knocked over, uh, as one of them has to take a phone call and deal with an issue that is on fire at that moment. Um, and then they come back and we continue our conversation. Um, actually, Maggie kind of held down the fort there and we just kept kind of going and then David came back in. So, um, you know, this has all the stuff of a real, real life business in it. Um, you know, things go wrong and you got to fix them on the fly. Um, so uh, just be aware that when that happens in the podcast, that's that's what's going on there. And um, they did a great job, had a great time talking with them and catching up with them. So, okay, I'm going to stop talking now because this is probably one of my longest intros. But um, I just wanted to give you a little overview of that. So anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with David and Maggie Booth. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice. Today, I'm here with the founders of Artist Amigos. Welcome to the podcast, David and Maggie Booth. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. Awesome. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about David and Maggie. You can go first. <laughs> uh, well, we uh, we came from Florida yeah. about a year and a half ago. Wow. Well, in 20, we moved here in, we actually moved here October 31st, 2020. Okay. Oh my, oh my so gosh, yes. We moved within about a month. We decided um, the house became available. We purchased it and moved our entire family of yep. six and now across. we are printers here on Camano Island yeah and uh, we deal with uh, artists all across the United States yeah yeah so uh, we do service this area as well um, we help small businesses and artists here but we do help artists like he uh, David said across the United States mm -hmm. in all different aspects of art not just one not just traditional or computers I mean we literally have the full gambit of artists yeah, when setting up a business, you're kind of labeled as a sign shop or graphic design shop, but we're really a, like a custom shop. We okay. do we we do everything. There's so much. I mean, we do things like paper printing all the way to helping people find other um, outlets. For instance, like they want to make keychains, like we can help them. While we don't make keychains in shop, we can help them find a distributor and be the middleman for them if they're not sure how to do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's really, we go as a print shop. That's like the name we use. But um, it, truthfully, it's it's so much more. Yeah. Um, the whole reason, truthfully, if we can backtrack a little, uh, why we have a print shop is, well, one, when we left Florida, we walked away from our jobs. Yeah. Um, David was working at a sign shop. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, which is big business in Florida. There's a lot of business turnaround down there. And he was working as a graphic designer. Nice. Um, 
and he did that for about eight or nine years, and he was pretty much the only graphic designer there that just, like, pretty much did exclusively graphic design, and then with that, uh, no one at his company wore, like, a single hat. Like, if you did graphic design, they also wanted you to know... We took um, everything from start to finish, like, we... Production. We met with the customer, took their order, fulfilled everything, designed, and even went out and did installations, and so it was a great, like, being there eight, nine years, it really gave me the, um, the knowledge of, you know, to carry through to what we're doing now, so, for sure. And we um, are actually both artists ourselves. Okay. Um, I do more traditional stuff. Uh, I like to work my hands more, so I do a lot of, like, crocheting and crafting, and I also do watercolor. And then David... Oh, um, you you help <laughs> mainly with uh, people who contact us, and you are, uh, you're just so great with people. Yes. And you talk to them, and you talk about how valuable their art is. A lot of artists come to us, and they don't realize... Like, a, a lot of artists are a little bit down on themselves. or like, oh, I'm never going to get to X or Y or, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, their art is fantastic. And Maggie mm-hmm. does a real good job with um, helping them take the next step, whatever that is. Yeah. So, um, with that, though, uh, David, um, he went to school for art. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an illustrator and an animator. I'll let him talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> but um, being that he went to school for art and then... Um, entered into the art world through uh, the sign shop and getting the production experience, um, we were always struggling to find people to produce our art because one of the side things we did was we went to Comic-Cons. We went to the biggest one in Florida for our first show, so we kind of learned trial by fire. (laughs) Megacon in Orlando. And um, we realized how difficult it is that a lot of these print companies, while they're great print companies, um, none of them, their specialty wasn't art. Yeah. It was always kind of an afterthought. Yeah. Um, now, there are a lot of small print companies out there that do art that want to work with their customers, and that's great because there's plenty of work to go around. There is so much work, like, in all honesty, so much. Um, so when we moved to Kameno, um, we had a kind of our own distribution problem where we needed artwork, and there, there wasn't, we couldn't get our hands on it. Yeah. Uh, or we'd have to order, like, 100 copies, and we only needed 10. Um, or it was really, it was hard to describe what we needed. Um, some print companies in the past, you know, we'd send them these images that will, you know, need to be clear and, uh, you know, hung up on the wall. And we get them back at like a really low resolution yes. or they're all yes. askew or things like that. So uh, once we got that a couple of times, we thought because of our knowledge and what we're doing, why don't we focus on the artist? Yeah, and, and, and that's really how it came apart. Like came about is I finally looked at David and I said, "Why are we relying on other people when you can do this? <laughs> we can do it. Like, the two of us together. Like there's no reason we can't do this. We know where the struggles are. We know how to do it right. We know where we can improve this um, area that is just under uh, what's the word? I'm underserved. Using? Underserved. Thank yeah. you. Um, and, and that's how Artists Amigos truly came about, uh, was we were on that ship that we felt like was sinking for artists. Yeah. Um, and we were kind of like, throw us a lifeline. Oh, wait, we can be the one to throw a lifeline. Yeah. Um, and, and truthfully, that, that's what she wrote. Like, that's how we're here now. Um, we, if you would have asked me five years ago if this is where I would have been, I would have been like, no, no, it would have been completely different. But I'm so happy we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So so backing up a little bit then, mm-hmm. um, did you guys grow up in Florida then? 
I was born in mid-Florida, so <laughs> right in the center, like an hour away from Orlando and Tampa. Okay. And I grew up there, uh, grade school, high school. Um, and so I, I lived pretty much my whole life there. Uh, no seasons, just hot. Uh, you maybe get like a week of cold. Uh, and then Maggie. So I kind of grew up completely different. Um, I'm a military brat. My okay. dad was in the Navy. Um, and so was my mom. And then she got out of the Navy and became a teacher. But I lived in Hawaii for nine years. Okay. So my early childhood, I grew up in Hawaii um, on island. And then um, <laughs> I, to this day, still ask my parents why they thought this was the case. But they can't answer it. They said, well, Florida, Hawaii, it has to be close, right? They both have beaches. Palm trees. Yeah, palm <laughs> trees, you know. And, and, and we got there. And as soon as my mom walked off the plane, she said, oh, my gosh, we made a huge mistake. <laughs> and, uh, it's very we, humid. Yes, it's very humid. Mm. Um, and I moved to central Florida and was hours away from the beach. Uh, they don't tell you that. Florida is very large. Yes. <laughs> you don't, not everyone lives on the beach. And, um, but it's the best mistake I ever made because I met David in high school there. We did. We were high school sweethearts. Yes. Uh, 14 and 16 is when we met. And so we kind of grew up together. And if Mm -hmm. I didn't have Florida, I would have never met him. So it was worth all the humidity and the hurricanes. Um, and then together we did move away from Florida. Uh, we went up to Atlanta. Okay. Um, but that was kind of during the recession. And our, our hope was David really wanted to work for Cartoon Network. But during the recession, no one was hiring. Things just didn't work out how we want. But we learned a lot about hard work and being on our own and being in a large city and, and still working a job and creating. Um, and then we moved back to Florida to have children yep. and be with our family. Okay. So that's how we ended up back in Florida again. Uh, our goal actually was to try to get to Washington State, but the farthest we could travel with our money was Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we took our honeymoon in Here Seattle. Here in Seattle, oh, okay. which is unusual. Mm-hmm. Most people, we go, yeah, we, we went to Seattle, the yeah. honeymoon. I mean, I think also growing up in Florida, like this type of weather and this just the atmosphere, the vibe here. The vibe. It's just, it's very nice. Well, so. even the other day, we were talking about taking a, a trip and, and David said to me, he goes, you know, when I lived in Florida, I was always excited about vacations. But here I go, why? I look out my window and I see mountains. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to leave. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, it's so gorgeous here. It had always been our goal since we got married to end up in Washington State, which actually I was also born here. I was born in Bremerton. Oh, really? Which is weird because military. Okay, you yes. Know? So yeah. I was born in Bremerton, went to Hawaii, ended up in Florida, got out for a couple of years into Atlanta, and then got thrown back into Florida. <laughs> oh, man. It's like. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no. Um. Oh, I'm good. Sorry, I was just uh, just something going on here. Oh, you're good. Um, yeah. So with being in, uh, you guys were in Florida. What were so you said you were working for a sign shop down there? Yes. Um, was that something like getting out of school? Was it just the job you could get into? Or? So I went to school for graphic design and, and animation. Um, you know, I love drawing and il- illustrating, and I did a lot of animating and I did a lot of freelance work. So after I got out of college, um, I moved back to Winter Haven and I was doing freelance and I wanted to be close to Maggie. And I was still actually working at a retail grocery store at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, So I was doing that along with freelance and Maggie was working at Publix. Yeah, we worked at a a large chain in the Southeast uh, Publix and their whole thing is like customer service is 
They actually yeah. say the shoppers are king and queens. Like, that people say, oh, this is my Publix. You know, it's that kind of grocery store. And um, so it, it was interesting because we that was another thing that, like, it was a hiccup in our long-term plan, yeah. but at the same time, it taught us so much about what it means to have like a successful business yeah. and to have that customer service that we felt was lacking. And we, we, uh, <laughs> sorry, we're, our business is in another problem because yes. we're a business and that never stops. <laughs> Not um, a problem. Thank you. So, yeah, it was. it's just very interesting because, I'm sorry, I'm trying to kind of wrap back to around where it was because I thought about that for yes. a second. But, um, it, you know, in life it's like you often feel like you're getting off course and then you keep trying to get back onto that path that you want to be. Yes. But every single path that we ended up getting, you know, turned off to ended up helping us in the end. Mm-hmm. Like, moving to Atlanta has taught us, like, perseverance because we moved in a terrible, uh, you know, financial crisis that yeah. everyone was having. And we were like, we're going to set off on our own and do this, you know. And, and we had no family there. It was just the two of us. Yeah. Like, but we wanted to live in a big city and, like I said, as far as we could go. Yeah. And then it was like we worked at a grocery store. And, and truthfully, David started in high school to afford dates for us to go out on dates. Yeah. And he ended up working there 16 years. I mean, wow. that's actually a long time. And that's he, a very long yeah, time. Yeah, he learned loyalty to a company. He learned, you know, uh, customer service and the value of, of keeping customers and, and building relationships. I learned the same thing. I actually ended up just working there to pay rent, and I ended up staying for almost 10 years. Wow. And working up the management and all these things that I never planned to do. But now I have those skills for my own company. Um, and working with David and we, uh, again, we thought they were these terrible things happening to us that it was like a, this isn't our path, but it all came to here and uh, surprisingly faster than I thought it would. Yeah. Um, I, every day think, um, I, I never thought this is what I would be doing, but I'm so happy it's what I'm doing. Yeah. Like I, I didn't realize that this was actually the end goal. Yeah. If that makes sense. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's something that we we do, we definitely all go through that in life where we we have this plan and, and we were talking before we started the podcast, but mm-hmm. that you're a perfectionist and you, yes. you want to have all these things done, and um, you know we are probably we do that same thing in our lives regardless of kind of what level we are as a planner and stuff like that. But we have an idea of the trajectory we want to go, mm-hmm. and then um, you know life happens and yeah. things change and. I do get there is that point where you're you're constantly trying to pull back because you're like no that's the road I'm supposed to be on I'm supposed to have taken a left there yeah and you're now very far down the other way um, exactly and and it's not until you see where you now are that you can look back and be like oh like that was a necessity that I I didn't know I even needed and I saw it as this terrible thing. Um, like Dave and I struggling to get our artwork produced and to make money on our own. Well, now um, we understand artists who are going through that same thing, and we're able to build our business around that. Yeah, like we can see that like artists need no minimums because not every artist is at a place where they can produce a hundred pieces of artwork. Yeah, they're gonna fail if they keep doing it that way. They're a small business, and uh, when we changed our thinking around that, our struggles helped us 
literally build our company into something that works for everybody. Yeah. And every day I tell artists and, and even small businesses we work with, like, if you're not happy with something, tell me, please. I'm not going to be offended because then I can change my business model. Yeah. Um, because, you know, not everything I come up with is going to be perfect. I want to build something that can grow and change to the needs because clearly anyone who's been alive for the last, you know, 40 years has has seen that nothing is nothing is permanent anymore. No. The economy <laughs> is constantly changing me. We had to deal with the pandemic. If you would have told most people there was going to be this thing that shut down the whole world, they would have been like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> but here we are, you know, on the other side and 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 some some of us are still struggling with it too and we've had to make adjustments to let the rest of the world go on while we're um, you know people with health problems are still dealing and they still have to live in the world so yeah. we we deal with that a lot because of uh, artists a lot of people choose to be artists because they have disabilities and things like that and um, you know going to conventions still isn't a thing for them yeah so we have to find a way that we can help them in our business be successful with like online sales yeah and to understand those difficulties they're going through. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we are very open to, you know, people telling us what they like and don't like about our company and making it. That's the whole purpose uh, of our company is to try to fix these things. Yeah. So. That's very cool. We kind of went in a whole big circle. No, no worries. Sorry, just putting out fires. Yeah. <laughs> Small business fires. <laughs> yes. Well, and, uh, you know, I've talked to uh, lots of small businesses, um, and I've, uh, I've worked with some, uh, like in a mastermind group and, and, um, I was just talking to this group that I'm working with right now, but they were saying, I was saying, you know, we, my wife and I took over this company from my parents. Um, we bought it from my, my parents, uh, at the end of 2019. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> we were rolling in excited for the next new year. And, uh, and I was like, you know, we may have only been like actual business owners for the last three years. But I think it's more like 10. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. We often say that. There are some weeks at the end of the week, I'm like, it's been a month, right? And it's like, no, it's been a week. But the, the, Yeah, the way it operates and the way uh, clients come in and prints go out and things like that, um, you know, a, a week will go by and it'll feel like a month. And you're like, oh, such and such, like, like they got that print, like, a long time ago. And, and they're, like, yeah. just opening it up because, you know, it'll take, like, you know, five days or something to ship to Florida. And we're like, no, that was, that was like, yeah, that was seven days, few days ago. ago. <laughs> and it feels like half a year has gone by because yeah. we feel the same thing. In all actuality, Artist Amigos has only been a, a full blown company for about a year and a half. Okay. We have only been completely open, like not a soft open, open for um, a little over a year. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people don't realize that because we rolled right into it. I mean, we jumped in with both feet. Yep. Because we learned, just, a, we learned a lot in the first year. We learned a lot in the first month, in the first <laughs> day, um, because that is something David and I kind of always have done. Um, we always jump in with both feet because we learned early on um, being worried about the future is a good thing, but obsessing and worrying is not a good thing. Sometimes you really just have to commit. Yeah. And when you commit, there's no failure because you've committed. Yeah. You know, and uh, like we talked about Publix, um, truthfully, he was still working at Publix and still working at the sign shop. And finally I told him, I said, I think you should quit Publix 
But, you know, working there for 16 years, it was kind of like that life raft that we had. We had two children at the time. And I said, I think you got this. I really think you got this. I think you should quit Publix and and start doing your art on the side instead. And that's what really opened him up to, like, getting more graphic design because, you know, every I think every parent wants to do right by their kids and have a safe environment. But sometimes to continue growing, you do have to take those chances. When I uh, had to step out real quick, did you talk about uh, 2020, about how we're going to go do all the conventions? No, I I didn't. So with that, like jumping in both (laughs) feet, like right before uh, COVID hit, we had planned to go to Puerto Rico to do these conventions, you know, Megacon, go around the country. We're going to sell our art. We're going to print it on everything. We're going to be full-time artists Uh, uh, and go around. Conventions. Yeah, full-time convention (laughs) artists. And we're gonna make some money, and then COVID hit, so, and yeah, the everything same thing was that canceled. Happened to you, happened Don't to talk us. to anybody. Stay in your home. Yeah, stay in your home. Everybody's Don't go grocery shopping. Like, yeah, don't speak. So <laughs> we kind of switched gears there. Yeah. And you know, I was doing my graphic design thing at uh, a company called Chilton Signs, of course, graphic design shop in Florida. And then I, I was actually working from home because. Uh, you know, they talked to people face to face there when it was real bad. And that's when we had to all take a look at what we were doing. Uh, Maggie's dad, what I was doing. Yeah. Um, My dad actually worked in the, uh, the building industry and they had stuff stacked. Just he was like, why are we still making product? Like people are so he, people at his yeah, work so were getting came sick. Home. And he said, I'm working from home. Yeah. He's like, I think I'm done. Where do we want to go? What do we <laughs> want to do? What's going on? Yeah. And then yeah. that's where Washington came up. And it, here we within are. Within a month. We changed our entire lives again, which is kind of scary because we had jumped in with both feet to commit to one thing and it got, you know, the (laughs) rug was pulled out from underneath us and we had to... You know, blessing in disguise, here we are. Because, and truthfully, I don't think, I think we'd still be in Florida melting. (laughs) Probably would be. I mean, we would be convention artists and we would be doing something we liked, but we wouldn't be But now we get to help all the other convention artists. We've made some wonderful friends that we've met. Uh, in person, online, where they message us and yeah. just love talking well, to them. Even people here on the island, like we've gotten so connected with people on the island here who are either doing art or involved in art and small businesses. We've we've gotten to connect with so many small businesses, you included. Yeah. Like it's awesome, and we we never really realized that that kind of part was missing from our jobs that we we really enjoy yeah so anytime we have a bad day we just think about all the people oh, yeah. we there's, get to, to, to i don't want to jump ahead i don't want to jump ahead but there's a lot of good stuff going on here on the island yeah, <laughs> like art wise right? yeah, yeah oh, it's yeah. growing very quickly yeah so well and that was something when you guys um you know i'm, I'm part of the chamber as well and so when we were fine you know we always get new members stuff like that and jessica's like did you know we have a print printers on the island now? I was like, we do. I was like, why haven't I known this? Because I order online printing and stuff like that, but you run into those, even when I don't care about the fidelity to the highest degree. You like, for instance, for example, my hour stickers for the longest time were see-through on a window that set our hours in like small print because I put the file in and it was supposed to have a white background. Uh, but that type of sticker defaults to remove the white background mm-hmm. when they print. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Yeah. And and, so, yeah. Yeah, we run into that kind of stuff all the time because, like, not everyone, uh, how do I say this? Like, 
not everyone understands printing because it is like, mm-hmm. it's an art. Um, I tell David all the time, the stuff he does is like magic. I'm like, you are an artist here. Um, and, and even taking different types of art and matching it to the right printing and all that. I mean, it's impossible. It's, it's a skill. And to just assume everyone knows how to print their stuff is, is that's no one should assume that. Um, so that's another thing we did differently is sometimes when we get files and stuff, we'll be like, oh, I don't think this is what they want. Should we call them? And we don't mind taking the few seconds to be like, hey, is that what you wanted? Yeah. Okay, great. No, let's fix it. Yeah. I think fix a big it. part is communication Yeah. because people will put a file in thinking something, mm-hmm. but then saying another, or they just don't understand. So like a simple conversation about what will it be used for? What's the best application? Well, I put the vinyl on the inside of the window versus the outside of the window. Well, you can't see it. You know, a bunch of different technical things depending on whatever you're doing. Yeah. It, it really is. Uh, do you mind if we answer another question on here? No. It's kind of, we're kind of rolling into it. Um, I know we had kind of been told that like uh, one of the questions was like, how do we compete with big companies? Yeah. So there's a lot to that because it is, we are competing with very large online retailers. Right. Um, one way we compete is we don't just service this area. We service the whole United States. Yeah. Um, and even sometimes Canada and some other places. And that's one way we compete is not just um, only relying on one service area. And that's a way we keep the prices down here, too, is yeah. because we don't just have to rely just here. Yeah. Um, so if things aren't going well here, we also have everywhere else to rely on. Um, the other way is um, we do buy in bulk. We do work with the same distributors that these companies work with. Yeah. Uh, we use the same machines they work with. So we're, we're actually running at their level. Just the only downside is we're two people, and a lot of times these companies are 50 to 500 people. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, the, we've had talks about growing already, and it's only been yeah. like a year. Yeah, we want to get an employee. But we've also, new machines. Yeah, with that, with how do we compete, I still think customer service. It is. I think everybody's had that, like, uh, Comcast, internet. <laughs> Don't like, call them out, David. Jeez. <laughs> like, I can't. Okay, you guys are on wave here. You're safe. Yeah, I, I can't say, get a hold no of somebody. Here. Why am I talking to a phone system? And when somebody just has a conversation with you to fully understand what you need, yeah. that's a plus. We've even had some artists local here, like in Everett and everywhere, say, uh, I don't want to recommend you to anybody else because you're going to get too big and not be able to help us. Yeah. And I'm like, that's never going to be the case. When that's the case, we will hire other artists who are interested in printing and we will bring them in. We never want to get rid of that communication or that ability to pick up the phone and ask a question or to improve mm-hmm. a product that maybe someone didn't know that they could improve on. Yeah. Like that will always be the case because that's kind of what we're basing ourselves off of. That is how we're competing with these large companies just producing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Uh, when we talk to artists in the, the convention realm, we tell them like, yeah, you know, there are all these companies out there, but they're all producing the same thing, and you're all sitting table side by table side with everyone producing the same thing. Or you can go with a smaller company, pay a small fraction more, and have something that's slightly different. Right. Because we're a custom shop. Yeah. The third thing to that is sometimes you have to choose to shop small. Yeah. We always appreciate companies um, and small businesses around here who choose to pay a little bit more to go with us, um, and we try to make that cost um, show, like David said, like in our customer service and how quickly our turnaround time normally is and our quality. Yeah. Um, and, and really, that those are the things that help us 
compete with these very, very large companies. Yeah. Um, and like I said earlier, there's tons of work to go around. It's out there. Yeah. Like we have no problem um, when we talk to other companies that maybe do textiles and banners. We do banners as well. We don't see them as competition. Yeah. We see them as if, if there's ever a time when we're so busy that we can't do banners, we may actually say, hey, we know this other company that has great banners and we hope they do the same back yeah. because plenty of work to go around yeah. and we want every customer to get what they need when they need it, happy, and, and it'd be more than they ever thought they could have. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something. Uh, my dad, so I don't know if you guys know this, my dad started in the printing industry. Really? Um, his, his company was uh, Reproductions, Inc. Um, actually, my his b best friend, uh, we call him Uncle Russ, but uh, <laughs> he actually owns that company. Nice. Um, and so my dad, that's where he made his first living and everything was yeah. in a printing company. And that was back when, you know, they had, they had to get these block-sized buildings or more than that to do these printing things. And mm -hmm. my dad was on kind of that forefront of seeing look, these smaller things are coming, like Kinko's, and these things are starting to pop up that are a fraction of the size of us, and they're changing the printing industry. And I, we kind of live through the day where, like, these shops are, <laughs> are able to produce massive things in this small footprint. And a lot of the mm -hmm. big giants at the time were like, no, like, look at our, they like, can't compete because look at what mm -hmm. we've got. Yeah. Um, but the printing industry, it's funny because it went from like where everyone had their own print shop they had to go to to use mm -hmm. to like getting to this point where we got to this online everyone can just go to whatever the shop the easyprint.com and go print their thing mm -hmm. but we're hitting that stage where now that initial skill set that people had of understanding printing because they used to work with printers mm -hmm. yeah. nobody has that anymore so they expect when they go online and print this thing that it's going to turn out the way they want. And certain things, especially colors or things like that. Yes. No, colors. Don't get me started. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, we, we pride ourselves on our colors because, like, you'll probably know this from some, you know, interaction with print companies. Like, there's, like, most aim for, like, 80% on colors. Well, we try to do more than 80% when we can. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of what we pride ourselves on is that little bit of extra. And that's how we, again, cater towards artists. Because artists care more about colors than maybe someone who, you know, has a company. They're like, if it's blue, it's blue. I don't care. I just need it blue. Right. Where an artist is like, well, this shade of blue is not exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And, and so we kind of have to live between what you're what you're talking about where we can function as a large company but also have those little nuances of a small company and and that's why when people ask us what we do we say we're custom yeah because some of some people need us to be on the mark on these colors and some people don't care right and we well, got to live somewhere between yeah and david you coming from the graphic artist when you're dealing yeah. with hexical you know hex yeah. colors you need it this color mm -hmm. yeah yeah yep. exactly absolutely yeah we have some people who come to us with pantone and stuff and they're like i need pantone number you know this 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 this, this. and then other people are like is it red <laughs> you know we're good if it's red right <laughs> so it, it it all just depends and that's something we're having to learn uh while we develop this company is we do have to live in between both worlds and be okay with that too because yeah. being artists ourselves sometimes people are like oh i don't care what it looks like and we're like but we do you know? <laughs> oh yeah we we've gotten that too where i'm like look um you know i can kind of uh, res it up a little bit smooth it out i can do a little bit of work here and there and you know but i mean it's it's kind of pixely here are you sure you don't have a better they're like no i love it it's fine it's perfect just go with it and i'm like ah you sure yeah. oh no that hurts <laughs> me <laughs> yeah. like I'll, I'll do it because you want it but 
Yeah, at the All same right. time, you still... You, you gotta, that artist in you. Uh, but then the business person in you has to realize that that's not what's important to them. For yeah. some reason, they want it this way. And, they want and it you've pixel. Gotta, you you got to <laughs> let it They love the pixels. It's, it's their the pixels. pixels. They put it there. They want it. They yeah. get it. They just, want it, they get it. Just like uh, how we also have to push ourselves to do the even better than we thought we could when we have a very uh, an artist who is very particular. We have to push our limits for yeah. those customers as well. So, yeah, it is it is very difficult to uh, to compete with these larger companies. Um, and in all honesty, sadly, a lot of the times we get customers when those large companies let them down. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I hate saying that, but I, most stories start off with, I was going to such and such online, and they sent me back my money, and I have a convention in a week. What do I do? We've done a lot of rush orders. We, and we step in, <laughs> yeah. and we always say, you know, the first, the first rush order is free, because we realize that you're in a jam, and we want to help you out, and we hope you stay with us yeah. after this. Yeah. Um, so, because um, we've all been there, too. We've, we've had, you know, rush orders, or someone cancel on us, and... And that was one of the things we wanted to change. Yeah. So. That's great. So uh, a question I have then. So you guys were moving here. Um, upon kind of landing here, did you guys jump right into the print company? Or were you guys starting to look for other jobs, stuff like that? And then past that, where did you, when did you decide, okay, let's buy some stuff? Mm -hmm. I think we kind of, I think we moved here kind of wanting to know that we wanted to start a print company. Uh, I think we knew we wanted to do printing. I, I think at first we were kind of like, well, maybe we can print our own stuff on a small, small scale, mm -hmm. and um, and do. We were still kind of betting on the convention. We were kind of fleshing thing. out the idea. <laughs> Oops, sorry, <laughs> oh, sorry, we hit the table. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were kind of still rolling with that. Like we weren't mm -hmm. really sure what was going on with the pandemic, and we moved here. Things were much better here mm -hmm. than in Florida. Uh, pandemic wise yeah um it was a totally different world florida was kind of like mad max i was fighting people for chicken <laughs> you think i'm joking but i'm not um it, it was a crazy time <laughs> and um when we moved here it was kind of like we were able to take a deep breath yeah yeah and it quickly settled into us that we were like oh these are our needs how are we going to do this and it really was like an, an epiphany. I, I looked at David and said, why aren't we doing this? Like, we, we always talk about mm -hmm. all these problems and how easy it would be to fix. Why aren't we the ones fixing it? Like, yeah. it doesn't so, make sense anymore. Yeah, so it started out with uh, just a printer that will print art prints. And then uh, from that, we moved to a large format printer where we yeah. can do stickers and, and banners and banner ups and things like that. And then once we started getting to know the art community here, we realized there was a very uh, high traditional and classical artists here. And yeah. that's when we went to like the Glee Clay printing and all that. Uh, Giclet printer. Giclet. What did I say? No, you said. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> Sometimes he corrects that? me. I don't know what that is. So <laughs> I have like a whole TED talk on this and I kind of go off because... I once we got into the print industry and the veil comes off and you realize all the things you either didn't understand or were lied to about, you kind of get very upset. And one of those things <laughs> is glee clay printing. Glee clay, glee, glee clay, Gicle. Gicle, I keep saying it wrong. Glee clay printing because I hate it so much. No, uh, I don't. There is a need for it, but they've made it way fancier than it is. And I and I feel like that's one of the few things that have held people out of art because I think anyone should be able to get into art. Um, and it's one of the things that like, you know, it's kind of like how, um, what is the word I'm looking for? The, when you showcase art, I can't think of the word for some reason. Uh, 
you like Wait, here, right here. Just in a this gallery? A gallery. Galleries were kind of that gatekeeper yeah. for a lot of people. Well, I feel like printing was also a gatekeeper. Glee clay just means it's printed with a fluid ink, like it's inkjet. Okay. That's all it means. It's just an inkjet printer. If you have an inkjet printer at home, you could print something out and I, technically say it's... Say it's giclet. Giclet. Which technically translates from French to little squirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, when you find these things out, you're just like, it's all been a yeah, lie. Because I think the idea of giclet is like... It's it's fine quality. It's high detail. It's, it's it, it can be on archival uh, inks. Uh, yeah. You know, d- uh, a dyed pigment versus a water based, and and, and it can be. You can get very good prints from it. But in the same breath, somebody who's not running those things can still call it giclet and have it be not as high quality because yes. the term is so broad. And, yeah. and charge you four times what they're actually, you know, like their print is costing very little, but they're like, oh, but it's, it's giclet, so you need to pay me four times as much. Well, no, they're not actually doing it correctly. They should be using, like David said, archival paper and inks that are going to withstand UV and all of these things. And when you get into the print world and you're like, oh my gosh, it's all been a lie, and now I understand why it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Same thing with like paperweight. We found out that every single company actually does its own paperweight. Uh, yeah. So when you buy paper, a hundred pound here and a hundred pound there, it's not yeah. the same. You got to go by the GSM. You got to go wow. by the GSM. So now what we do for artists is we find the paper that is the same thickness, the GSM, and we have just even if it says a hundred and ten pound, it's our hundred pound. So that when they buy it, they know what they're getting. Because sometimes we would order prints and we'd be like, why is this paper so thin? Did they screw me over? No, well, that was actually their 100 pound for that company. That's so weird. It is. A lot of these things, um, they come out in other ways in in some businesses. Like one, uh, we were trying to find a good projector and Mm -hmm. buy one from Amazon. It's easy to buy. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you look up on Amazon and you see these things that have like 50,000 lumens. And you're like... yeah. Well, my light bulb, I think, is a, you know, you look <laughs> yeah. up at the standard light bulb. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. you know, way down there. And you're like, well, then that's a great one. I should look at that one. And it's yeah. only 30 bucks. Why doesn't everyone yeah, have a projector? <laughs> yeah. Well, then I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Because then you look at, like, the name brand, Sony's and the, all the other ones. And you like they're like five, you know, 100 times, you know, they're 250 or three five hundred dollars yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why is that 30 in that? But this has more lumen. Well, there's things called micro lumens. Yep. And you don't have to say it's a microlumen. You can still say lumen, but a microlumen is like a thousandth of the brightness uh, of a lumen. Or I might be off on that. But yeah, it's I guess basically you're... a scale that's way off. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, that's terrible. Yeah. That's yeah. And, and, and that's another thing that we've kind of done with this company is we have kind of. Uh, we've fallen into artists who are like, I don't understand like why this happens. And they come to us really concerned about like paperweight. And they're like, I've ordered hundred pounds from other companies and it's too thin. And I tell them, I'm like, okay, yes, the company should have told you it was thinner, but like they, they are using hundred pound. It's not them. It's the paper mill. That's actually the one doing you the disservice. Yeah. Um, they are giving you hundred pound paper. That's the hundred pound from that paper mill. And we're able to teach them and help, like, almost handhold them along to learn printing. Because, really, it's like buying a car. You have to know a little bit about cars to buy the right car for you. Yeah. But if you know nothing about cars, you're going to be like, well, I like how that one. I like that color. I'll take that one. Then you get in and you go, this is not the car for me. Right. You know? And that's the same thing with printing. You don't need to know it all. But if we can find out what's important to you and then help you understand how to get the good quality in that, 
then they're going to be so much happier. Half print shop, half dis- uh, problem solvers. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Well, and I find a lot of um, businesses, especially if you're on the service side, you end up, as you go through these things, you end up being that, like, semi-mentor as you're working yeah. with these people. Because yes. you're like, I already did this. Don't do this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do that a lot, actually. Uh, we talk to people about conventions. We talk to people about owning online stores. We talk to people about getting into galleries, markets, the whole works. Like, sometimes people come to me with orders, and there are these huge orders, and I say, are you sure you want to do this? Like, what are you going to? And they're like, oh, it's a market. And I'm like, oh, okay. We have no minimums. You have to remind them because they're so used to working mm-hmm. in these huge bulk quantities. And I'm like, instead of getting, you know, 50 of this one sticker, get 10 of the sticker and four other designs. And then they're like, I can do that? And it's like you have to reopen. Which is something we do that other companies don't is that you can mix and match designs to get yeah. a bulk price um, because that helps small artists and large artists most all other print companies you have to buy like a hundred of one design uh to get a good price on it and you know if you're an artist you have lots of designs yeah but you may not need you know 1100 stickers floating around for this one small convention and you can't make money to buy more stickers so what are you gonna do yeah. So we're trying to help fix that for artists also. One yeah. thing we always say is like their success is hopefully our success because we want them every time they go out to, you know, be profitable, make their table back plus some because we hope they'll go home and design something else yeah. and come back to us. We just want them to like, be successful. Yeah. yeah. Now, we will lose some customers and that's okay and but they'll still find success. But to know that, like, the ones we have helped and that stick with us find such great success just makes the job worth it. Yeah. Uh, we have seen a lot of artists grow exponentially, and it's just one year. And we'll never forget them. Like, we, we kind of call them our amigos. Yep, um, our amigos. And uh, we even have some artists that work very closely with us where they will we'll promote each other online because we're very much about community as well. Yeah. Um, especially after COVID, we're having to rebuild all of this and yeah. it, and it's, and it's hard. Um, yes. And um, we're trying to connect artists together. Sometimes there's like a, well, if they sell, then I can't sell or like a customer could only buy one of ours. Yeah. And you know, we're trying to kind of squash the competition aspect of it because everybody has their own unique art style and flair that they're bringing. Yeah. And connecting artists and, like, all kind of working together and, like, lifting each other up yep. is more what we're about. And you're able to do that when you don't have to produce 50 of one thing. Yeah. Because if you only have to sell 10, the pressure comes off of you. You yeah. can get your money back faster. And uh, we've had a lot of artists come back to us and say, like, they got their creativity back. Because they would want to make a print, but they'd go, oh, how many of those am I going to sell? Maybe two? So why even draw it? Yeah. And as an artist, that is the most stifling thing ever. Like, you do this because you want to draw what you love and yeah. you want to do what you love. And then your business brain is going, don't do that. Right. Don't do what you love. And you just hate it. Yeah. And, and we are so happy when artists tell us that because yeah. that was our main goal. That's, that's how we were feeling and that's what we wanted to change. Yeah. And even in small business, too, like they feel we have people be like, you know, I, I've always wanted to try this, but I'm not sure. And I'd have to buy like 10,000 of them. And I'm like, buy 200. Yeah. See if it works. If it doesn't work, scrap the idea. Yeah, for sure. So that's awesome. Very cool. So um, so this is a topic I, I thought of pretty much right after we started. And I was like, 
I'm just diving. Um, didn't give you guys any prep work on this, so this will be fun. Um, I want to talk just a little bit um, because it's been forefront in my mind. Um, but uh, AI art. Ah. And there's a lot going on in this space. And I just heard there's a lot of lawsuits and stuff coming down the yes. space, too. Yeah. Um, but it's it, there's obviously that also extends into a lot of the other things that are going on with chat GPT, which is mm-hmm. AI text script writing and stuff yep, like books. that. Yeah. Yep. Um, but what have you guys seen with AI art and where... Yeah, just a little bit about that. Like where we think it's going and where it should go, where we think it should yes. go. Okay. Yeah. So... <laughs> so it's very interesting because I we have heard so much. We are where our ear is very down to this, and just like any other technological advancement, there are so many wonderful things about it, and then such a dark side to it as well. Where you go, oh, I don't well, like. Well, it's such a cool and unique, innovative feature to be able to do this. And the technology has advanced to where you can just like type something in and it comes up. The terrible part of it. Because of this cool feature is they stole the source art from everybody, yeah. scrubbed the internet for these images yep. that this computer-generated software is pulling from. Yeah. If they would have simply asked or paid for, yes. then there wouldn't be this issue, but they're just stealing people's work and replicating it in a different situation. And in some cases, you can see like an exact pose of a picture that they've stolen from or an exact... Uh, style where you're like, oh, that's that's such and such, like, you know, their yeah. work. That's clearly their work, but it's, you know, it's the not, hands all messed up. So you know, it's so, <laughs> yeah, it's hands, AI art. That's our that's big joke: is look thing. at the hands, uh, because there's a there's a running joke that uh, artists hate drawing hands. That is the one thing. It's like uh, there's also a joke that like if you look at an artist's hands you'll always see their hands in their own artwork because they use it as reference if yeah, you're right. holding something or, or or it'll be like their wife's hands <laughs> so, in all the pictures. So all the, all the, uh, the women I draw have like little chubby uh, man hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sadly, it's not much better with me because I have little kid hands. So if you ask me to hold it, it's just as bad. Um, but yeah, in AI art, it cannot figure out hands because most mm. artists struggle with hands. <laughs> so AI is just like, what is happening? What is this thing that's sticking off? So a lot of times, um, one of the things they're telling people to be careful, weary of, because uh, there's now a new racket happening where people are buying AI, AI art. That was a hard one to get out. AI art as um, traditional hand-done art. They're, they're lying and saying, oh, no, no, I made this. Yeah. And they didn't. Right. Um, and one of the things they tell you to watch out for is hidden hands. Huh. Uh, because they will crop it where the hands don't show because it'll be a monster hand. Right. And then this beautiful picture. The other thing that made me really sad is when I started seeing the mangled um, signatures at the bottom. Yeah. Where you, it replicates you could, the signature. You could literally yes. see it trying to replicate the signature. Yeah. Um, and, it's layered and, thousands and thousands upon time, but it's not the signature. It's like pieces of different pieces. Yes. And we actually... Um, I don't think we personally work with any artist who has been like greatly affected by it, but we know of artists and very familiar um, and, and artists we know um, that have been affected. So it's not just like, you know, these huge names, like even people who work for DC and, 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 and regular artists who are just trying to make a living are, are being yeah. stolen from. I, I think right now the people running the AIR are abusing the system 
Um, the lack of laws. And even if it was done correctly, I don't feel that AI art would put artists out of business. Oh, no. I think it would shift. And it's like, okay, we're going to use this AI art for this purpose, but then we're going to spend more money on animators. Or we're spending more money on you doing concept art, and this will just fill in the, the tedious, laborious parts. Yeah. But because it has been so abused, I have a feeling there's going to be some legislation about it and the whole thing will just be banned. And of course, there's going to be but, a huge backlash, too, right, because artists feel threatened. Well, also, yeah. like, there's people who just want to make money off of it as far as crypto is concerned. Yeah, crypto right. and, and, and So they don't really care about the art. It's just a visual uh, stock market for them. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's the truth. And I think that's where, where it's coming with anything with this AI side. Because um, the same thing can be said on the, the script writing side of it with ChatGPT mm-hmm. and like, you know, someone could build an entire website at this point and do a blog post on a weekly basis or a daily basis that they don't write a single word. Mm-hmm. They're just writing these script writers that are kicking out these things. Maybe they do a quick read through, make sure, you know, basically autocorrect it, make sure it's all good. Yeah. Does it make sense? <laughs> yeah. And then spit it out there. And, you know, this is the, the tip of the iceberg on that. So I think yeah. what's, what's helpful to look at with these is that they're tools and that we're, we use them in, in such. Yes. Um, but like any tool can be used on both ways. So that's something we run into is David has a couple of AI programs that have actually helped artists. Um, we had uh, one client who her iPad got damaged and then she was left with only online files that were like 72 DPI. We were able to use an AI-based program I say we, David, uh, with the help of David in the program, because David has to tell the program what to do. He has to show it where to look. He has to tell it where the problems are. He was able to save her files and get them back up to a 300 uh, resolution again, and she's able to print again. She would have lost half of her archive. So in that sense, AI is amazing because it was her work. She just lost the printing files and we were able to help her. And or we have a lot of traditional artists who there's a lot of feeling on the page. And sometimes like if it's a character, the arm will go off and they want to do stickers. Well, no one wants to buy a sticker with a missing arm, you know, and we're able to use AI programs to also help us you know, extend pictures or, and it's, but it's, it's learning off of their art, not someone else's. And that's where the problem is. AI could be this wonderful tool because I've seen David do amazing things with it. And it takes David's craftsmanship too, to work. It's like a, it's like almost like a a robot and a human working together to make something amazing and to save these pieces. And like David said, it's gonna, it's gonna take the legislation, legislative, measures to be like this is what it takes where you can use ai but it's still being trained off yeah at this point it's got to go back to square one (laughs) pretty much it probably won't like like even netflix right now they just released an anime where all the backgrounds were done by ai and what they said was oh there was a there was a shortage of animators and all the animators are over here going pay us (laughs) like please pay us we're here we want to work um and they're like oh there's a shortage and you're like no there's not you just don't want to pay them what they feel they're worth and that's another problem we have to the hurdle over um which one of the big things that's come out of ai now too is everybody who did those facial you know where it turned it into other people's artworks with their pictures they're now saying that under the law technically those are all fair um public domain public domain so someone could actually pull one of those and use it for like herpes medication you can't stop them it's, it's, it's public domain so wow. people's faces are now public domain wow 
So a lot of people should be very angry about that. Um, and I think that's what the art world is going to kind of try to use to be like, you need to be on our side because they took advantage of you as well. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's insane. All this stuff. And, um, you know, I just look at like, um, you know, I've got a friend who does website building and he mainly does it on the back end side. Mm -hmm. But he's like, and he teaches actually a class on this, on on learning programming and stuff but he always starts at the ethics level mm -hmm. because the thing is he's like if you go and open a hair salon you have to go through all of these different things these certifications these rules mm -hmm. these laws how you do it all these things to cut someone's hair mm -hmm. he's like I could start building websites tomorrow for someone there's no oversight I've got people's credit cards they're mailing it I've got everything about yeah. them yeah and there's nothing it's the wild west for websites it's insane it and so like it's just I don't know it's just crazy to me when he when he starts explaining how deep it goes and he's like so if you don't start building in ethical you know program or yeah. stuff like that we're completely screwed <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. even, like, the internet where they were trying to say, like, you know, they could, like, throttle certain internets and do these things and, like, pretty much keep internet out of people's hands mm -hmm. uh, a while back. We got really upset about that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it it kind of needs to be a, uh, like, food, water. You kind of need internet nowadays yeah. just to be connected for information for just everything. Like, yeah. even phones. Yeah, yeah, there's no pay phones anymore. If there's an emergency, you have to have a cell phone. Yep. There's no pay phone to run to. Yep. A phone is, is almost just, like any other basic necessity yeah well um, the, yeah and that's like that argument with when it comes to like the cable companies and stuff like that mm -hmm. or the internet but like it is it's, it's like a utility now but yeah. it's mm -hmm. not charged like a utility no. mm -mm. it's ridiculous and you're like okay this can't we can't keep going down this path at some yeah. point you think you got to flip it especially living on Camino you know you, you get yeah. past the plaza, you're like, okay, well, you can have a Verizon telephone line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, 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 we, that's yeah. something we've had to, to deal with, too. Um, yeah, and it, it's the whole, it, it's so crazy how technology can be such a wonderful thing and yet also just destroy so much, too. Um, and that's why, like, with the AI and all that, like, we've, we hear artists and we're like, no, we agree. But then at the same time, we're like, let us use AI to save all your files. Like, and then they're kind of like, wait, what? And you're like, yeah, it can do wonderful things. But there's all this we have to get through first. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm glad to see so many artists um, talking about it. And most are willing to listen still. They st I've heard a lot of artists say, I think it's wonderful. I really do think it's wonderful. It's my childhood dreams, you know, yeah. computers who can communicate and, and, and do these things, but they're also like, well, we've got to do it the right way. Right. So they're, they're down to have a conversation, and I think as long as we can get everyone at the table and everyone listen to, like, there may be a future. Yeah. I hope there is, at least. Yeah. But how do you feel? Oh, you yeah. agree? No, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So now... What do you guys see as the future of Artists Amigos? Just one step at a time. I mean, we're going to grow with our fan base and our community here, Commando Stanwood. I mean, we're going to offer the best we can, offer great customer service, and as this community grows, we will too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, we are constantly looking to do better. Um, to keep our prices low, we do 
we are slowly growing. Like uh, we don't have a uh, shop that you can just walk into that keeps our overhead very low to, again, where we can compete with these online companies because they don't have a shop you can walk into either. Right. So we're kind of doing the same thing. Um, we do hope to, um, in the future, have a small shop. Uh, we would like to help artists uh, showcase and things there, too, just like, because, I mean, really, galleries are a big thing on this island. Yeah. Uh, and we would like to be a part of that as well. We've even talked about way in the future having um, conventions. Yes. Um, yeah, we'd like have a convention of our own. Yeah, that it's mainly about art, whether any kind of art, and we want to put new artists side by side with big artists. Because a lot of the things that happens is when you go to these conventions, it's like you have Artist Alley and it's your, you know, mid to low tier, what you, you know, what people would consider mo- low to tier yeah. art. It's they, still They split fabulous. them up into a sort of class system. Yeah. And then yeah. there's these artists who, you know, work on comic books and stuff and they're like the Holy Grail artists. And then they have like the big artist. And it's like, why can't they all be together? Because they're all artists. And that's that community thing coming back. We want to put them together and have, you know, someone maybe who's just starting off with with someone who's done 50 comic books sitting side by side where they can make friends and be like, you know, oh, that's really cool. And, and can you teach me this? Because really, like, you know, old dogs need new tricks and new dogs need someone to show them how to do it. Yeah. And you can do amazing things. We wouldn't be worried about AI if we if we had more of that community because every artist would be growing. Yeah. So we do have big plans. Um, We want to extend out also into anything that's printing. Uh, We are staying away from textiles like shirts and things like that. Um, But we would like to do like sublimation and some other things down the road. Um, So, yeah, we have a a lot of big plans and we hope they all come to fruition. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. So the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? I'm going to go first because I actually made this purchase yesterday. Okay. I got a whole box of ramen for under $8. Nice. <laughs> at the outlet, the grocery outlet here in town. Perfect. It's that Sam Yang. And yeah, I love it. It's a huge box. It's huge. There's eight packages of five. And I plan on eating it all over the next year. Nice. The only thing I could think of was uh, resolution enhancement software. Uh, I, I use it AI. all the time, and it's fantastic. <laughs> and it, you know, it's it's not hurting anybody, and, it, and it's saving people's images when they fail to save it at a high resolution yeah. or lose it from damage. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So. Question on the ramen. Do you eat it dry or do you eat it just cooked? I do both. Okay, cool. And I, oh, and you mean I, like, even like bro, like not just dry, like out of the... Oh, I'll eat it out of the pack too because I grew up out in white. Pa- like I do. crunchy? You don't see me finish off the bottom of the pack every time I make ramen? I haven't seen you eat a whole oh, square of I, ramen. I, I, I can. I've done, and I also... You too? Yes. So that's what I was asking because I, yeah. I, like especially top ramen, uh-huh. Yeah. I will just, better. like I'll just use it. And I like whenever it's cooked, I'm like, it's not as good. Like, yeah, I'll just dip it. I what, also what do I it with. <laughs> I also do it with none, no broth, where you just make the noodles. Okay. Yeah, so it's more like a I can't salty yakisoba kind of okay. thing. Yeah. So yeah, I do it always. Nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Oh, Maggie, when Maggie makes it. It, it will look like a Studio Ghibli yes. uh, illustration of ramen with like the little egg and some pork on the side, just oh, some yeah. chives nice. on top. I, I, I really overdo my ramen. It is a guilty pleasure. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Who is the most influential person outside of your family? Should we? 
Should we say her name on three? Ready? One, One two, two, three. Cat, Cat Olson. <laughs> nice. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Definitely. If we could bottle whatever she has and sell it, <laughs> she's a ma- she's be... a tour de force. She's oh. like rallying people and like growing a community. Like that's like everything we want to do with artists as well. Yeah. And yeah. it's just all positivity and very professional. Yeah. It's fantastic. Every time I talk to her, I just feel better about myself and a better about just life in general, which which is so crazy. Um, She's awesome. Yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more. Um, She, when she opened up co-host right before the pandemic (laughs) and then goes through that whole thing, you would not have known that she was trying to have a co-working or like event space in the middle of a pandemic if you watched her social medias. She was so positive. She pivoted. And, um, yeah, she does such a great job on, on everything that she does. So. I, I, I just love her to death. I yeah. just, I so appreciate having her in my space because, uh, yeah, she, she inspires us, definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and she even pushes us. Like, we'll tell her some amazing thing we're doing. And she's like, have you ever thought about this? And I'm like, man, Kate, Kat, I'm like, come on. You're just always going to push me farther, and I love it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Very cool. So this is a fill-in-the-blank question. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Um, I, like, the only thing I would say is, is own my own business. It might be a <laughs> cop-out answer because I'm kind of doing it. Well, he said that so. to me, and I told him, though, that nothing he did in school and everything ever showed that he would own his own business, yeah. though. Like I said, you know, we had a path, and it wasn't to <laughs> own our own business. But then all the little detours we, we kind of had, it worked out that way. Yeah. And he did, even in high school. He was like, you know, I wouldn't mind working for myself. He was always kind of that independent spirit of, I don't want to work for the man, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then here we are. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, who knew? Like, that was weird because most people who knew him when he was much younger would say, oh, David own his own business? No. <laughs> but he's even, I mean, it's going to sound kind of silly, but even his mother was kind of like, oh, my gosh, like, you have done more than I ever thought like I'm so proud of you because David has a very relaxed personality and I think sometimes people see it as a weakness when it's really such a strength yeah because you have to we were talking a little bit before the podcast but you got to roll with the punches and everything that comes and if you can't handle all of those ups and downs yeah I would probably you're gonna crack I would have probably lost already if it wasn't for him gonna go with flow baby yeah and he is and and that's been great He, he has been more successful I mean, I always thought he'd be successful, but he surprises me every day. Nice. Very cool. And what about for you? For me, uh, truthfully, I would like to have my children experience other uh, cultures and countries. Um, I don't think it's done enough. America's so large, just exploring America is hard. Um, Some people never even get to leave their state. Um, But I had the opportunity to do that, and I realized how it's helped me later on in life. So it's kind of a weird thing to be like, I want to take my kids to other countries. And it's not because I don't love America. I do. But I think it's important. There's 7 billion people now on this earth. Where would you go? Uh, I would probably first. I, I I'm, tr- I'm making my kids learn Japanese right now. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's so <laughs> um, cool. Because <laughs> I was I was able to go to Japan, so it has a, a very uh, we like Japanese things and culture. Love to and go to Japan. I, they showed an interest because growing up in Hawaii, I was very immersed in Asian culture. Yeah. Um, and I have an appreciation for it, and even how we live our lives is very um, Eastern. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to take them there. Um, 
I always kind of wanted to go to Africa mm -hmm. um, and experience that. Um, in Atlanta, we made a lot of friends who were actually from Africa, yeah. Ethiopia and West Africa. Oh, nice. And uh, they, you know, we have this idea growing up of what it's like, and they were like, oh, it's all wrong. Like, he's yeah. like, just like we thought every American wears cowboy hats. <laughs> you know, he's like, you would love it. It's, it's so different. He goes, do we have bad things? Yes. But we have so many wonderful things you need yeah. to experience. Very cool. So. Yeah, we, we, we're of the same opinion. We've, um, we actually just got back from Tahiti with the family. Nice. Oh, cool. Um, and we spent some time in uh, Guatemala with the family. And we're trying to expose our kids to as many different cultures. And, and a lot of it, too, is, is even locally, like, um, with indigenous. And we do a lot mm -hmm. of studying of, of that. Or my wife does uh, with the kids. And, oh, that's um, amazing. It makes a difference. I mean, the kids, you start seeing these perspectives. And then they ask these questions of like, oh, well, you know, just they ask questions about why do they do this or that. Um, and then sometimes friends or whatever will say something like, well, that's really weird that they do that. That's not weird. That's, yeah. that's how they do it. It's, like, it's, we, they don't look as in, they're curious about it instead of being like, well, they're just weird because they do this. It's like, no, yeah. that's that's just how they live their lives. Mm -hmm. We have a saying, we say, not wrong, not weird, just different. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things we throw around our house a lot. And uh, I think Dave and I, not to, because this is a, a rabbit hole we can go really deep in, <laughs> but Dave and I, of course, uh, we present as Caucasians. Yeah. And uh, there's a, a lot of tensities around that right now. And our kids, blonde hair, blue eyes, and I have to explain to them, like, we're very honest about what's happened and, and why things are like they are. Why are things tense? Why is it important? to you know watch what you say and watch what you do and to make the effort to make yes. a change yeah uh, we actually read a banned book the other day and my kids were like is it banned because it has bad words I said no it talks about things that not everyone wants you to talk about yeah and it was gender yeah and and we read a book a kid's book about gender and my kids you know we raised them so openly that they none of it was a surprise and yeah. they were just kind of like why is this banned yeah they're right. like why <laughs> this is just normal yeah yeah, yeah. So we definitely, we want our kids to be open to the, we, we hope if we do it and other people do it, the world will be different and yeah. we'll leave them in a better place. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right. Who is an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? Um, I would say our good friend, Sam Drucker. He has a Kamano Island Miniature Wargamers uh, uh, group on Facebook. And they meet up monthly uh, here at the Kameno um, the library. The library here. Nice. And it's really cool. I got to go once, and they have all these really detailed miniatures of different time periods or like futuristic uh, little. Um, I, don't, I don't. What do you call them? They're just little I mean, miniature, like figurines miniatures, figurines. They, it's part of the gameplay. And there's a whole set of rules and a whole. Just it's very fascinating. Each one is very immersive. Yeah. And they, some of them they've built from scratch. They oh, yeah. actually write the rules and everything. So it's wow. almost like it's a writing hobby. a book and creating a piece yeah, of art and it, doing all of it at once. There's it's, a lot of different facets to it. I think yes. uh, you can pretty get pretty deep into that. Yes. Yeah. And, and they're very cool. Um, I even went, which, I mean, I, I've never done anything like that. And they were very much like, here, come play my game. Let me explain it to you. Let me tell you how I did it. And even though, like, they knew I would probably never join on, like, a monthly basis, they were still willing to give me their time and information and, and share it with me, which was really awesome. Yeah. So I have another person. Um, it's actually an artist here. Um, it's one of the first artists I work with here on the island named Brandy York. Okay. Um, she kind of falls into the gaming category, too, because she does a lot of gaming for uh, critical or a lot of design work for the, the critical role. Um, and she is an amazing artist. And I just absolutely love working with her. She's 
fantastic. Beautiful and art. Beautiful art. I think you'd I think you'd really get a kick out of, yeah. of of talking with her. That'd be awesome. It's a little bit of different art than you usually find on the island here. She does a lot of the conventions and things, and she travels to conventions outside of Washington as well. But uh, it's it's kind of like again where you know our our art kind of runs in the geeky circles, and she very much lives between two worlds too. Nice. Very cool. All right, and lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Uh, just be more adventurous, take more risks. Um, you know, I was growing up, I was very just reserved and, like, had the impression of you just, you go to school, you do well, and you go to college, and then you, you work in your job for the rest of your life. <laughs> I, I don't know, it was, it was a very, like, old-world style of thinking, and then you get out in the world, and you're like, oh, everything's different, so yeah. just take risks, and, you know, just go for it. Yeah, that moment you realize that you're the age of your parents, and then you realize, how am I alive? <laughs> like, how are we doing it, you know? And, yeah. like, we actually figured out the other day that we're the same age my parents were when I met David in high school. Wow, okay. And all of a sudden, David was, like, thinking back when he, like, met my mom, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm that age? No way. And your brain just kind of has this malfunction, and then you yes. go, oh, man, okay, I get it now. Like, life is short. And you got to take those risks. I would definitely say jumping in with both feet, fully committing. Um, in my 20s, I, I wanted to be successful. And, you know, it just so happened 2008 was really rough. And that's when we, you know, graduated. And we had to start our life right at a very tough time. And we were yeah. always afraid of falling on our faces. Right. Um, but every time we ever took the plunge and <clears throat> did it, we were successful. Yeah. So just I, I think I would push myself to do it sooner. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. This thank was great. You. And I'm sorry about our little snafu we had. You got a, a real life experience of <laughs> what it's like to be a, an artist amigo and have to go yeah, on the it's, fly. It's just a delivery and nobody calls to check. That's all it was. Yeah. yeah. We had a, a big truck show outside, uh, outside our house and it wasn't supposed to be here today. Oh, deliveries. <laughs> yes. You know we that. Have, oh, my word. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so sure. thank you. All right. Thank you so much. All right, and Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to David and Maggie for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps to be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to commandocommons.com slash podcast. That's commandocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.